When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald. And John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. It's a game day Thursday edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, Johnny Mac, when last we spoke, you got out a little early yesterday, talked to Nick Sirianni, or at least listened to Nick Sirianni. Did you get a question in yesterday? Yeah, I got okay. one. In. So you, you actually talked to Nick Sirianni. That's a good <laughs> thing. A uh, little later than scheduled, right? You uh, got out early and then... Nick showed up, up late. He, yeah, of course he showed up late. He tends to show up late. He's like the president. You know, he arrives when he arrives. When when he darn well feels like. Um, when uh, Nick Sirianni eventually showed, uh, did you get the word that early that the Eagles were going to be hand, handicapped with how many defenders they're going to be missing because of injury for this game today? No, that's the Eagles always wait till. Uh, the last injury report, typically it's on a Friday, Friday afternoon, um, uh, because of the early game. Uh, yesterday was the designation day. They always wait to the very end. It takes just a competitive advantage. Yeah, I don't, and nobody, nobody cares, but Nick cares. And he, if it helps him, uh, so be it. Uh, he thinks it's an advantage 
I mean, I, I've been telling people all, way, all week, Bradbury's not playing. He can't get through the protocol. Minnesota right. knows that. Um, it's not a competitive advantage. Now, maybe you can argue, Fletch kind of let it out uh, to reporters that he was going to be able to play. So I still expect him to play. Um, so he didn't have any control over that one. The two were Gainwell and Blankenship. Um, and, you know, you push it as far as you can, but I, I don't think that's going to affect the game planning uh, for Minnesota because just like the game planning for, for Philadelphia, this is a DNA game, Jody. There's not a lot of game planning. You don't have time. You know, you can't practice. Every All the coaches said it. I asked Brian Johnson earlier in the week, you got to rely on what you are on these short weeks um, more than, you know, pointing out difficulties and things like that. And that, that's why I, I, I really favor the Eagles in this game because what they are is strong up front, and that's the that's strength against weakness for uh, versus Minnesota. All right, well, uh, I guess I'll play devil's advocate here because I am worried about this game because, John, what were the two positions – that we thought coming into the season, offense or defense, we'll put special teams aside, but offense or defense, two positions that we were most questioning about the Philadelphia Eagles before the year started. Uh, running back and linebacker. Or okay. safety, if you want to throw in. Yeah, I was, going, I, I, would add I was going linebacker and safety. You want to put running backs third, I'm good with that because yeah, I'd probably say that'd be number three. But if I was putting them in order... It would have been linebacker one, safety two, running back three. So if I'm right, then linebacker and safety were their two biggest question marks. Oh, they're going to be playing without their best player at that position. Both of the top two positions where you had questions to begin with, Sons Nakobe Dean and Sons Reed Blankenship, they become bigger question marks. That's the dead center middle of the Eagles defense now. The two big guys up front were great in week number one, and you're putting a hell of a lot on those two uh, rookie dogs or second-year dogs in Jordan Davis's case is played for week number two because, yeah, you need to keep everything uh, behind you out of the middle because we've got question marks there. That's they're, they're going with some guys that either haven't proven themselves as Eagles or question marks or just might not be that good at those positions this week, John. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I, I I kind of land in the camp. All right, well, tell me how Minnesota is going to take advantage of that. Like, if you can tell me, if you can look into Jody Mack crystal ball and say, um, the Vikings are going to be able to block the Eagles' defensive front, I say, well, I'll tell you, yeah, the Eagles are in trouble. Uh, I don't think they can. I don't see any way they can. There's not any magic dressing. There's not. They're not getting new players. How are they going to block the Eagles front? Um, if you can tell me how, and you can say they're going to do it, and maybe they had their best game they ever had, and, and maybe they're on for one night, and then I would agree with you. I'll say, well, yeah, then they're in trouble because Christian Ellis can't deal with TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, whether it's Terrell Edmonds or Sidney Brown or, or anybody else they throw, even if they want to move Avante Maddox to safety, um, they're not going to be able to deal with that receiving group. But I can't see how they can block those guys. I can't see it. I can't even picture it. I can't even formulate it in my head. That's how bad that interior is. 
we're going to talk to Ben Lieber about it. I'll probably tone it down with Ben. But, I mean, it's awful. It's awful, Jody. I don't see how they can block the Eagles' front. I, right. I, I just but, can't picture it. Then, then I know it's just one game. But that's all we have to work with so far here in 2023, right? And yesterday you told me that the Tampa defense was one of the better defenses, the NFL. I don't feel as strongly about Tampa's defense as you I do. I believe I said you... top 10. I said, I said Patriots top 10, Bucks top 10. I believe they'll both be top 10 defenses. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they're good defensively, not right. offensively, defensively. Right. Uh, Kirk Cousins two for 335 last week. Again, yeah. a, a, but how many points did they generate? I mean, that's part of the NFL. They're going to get some yards because you can't be, and they're going to get big plays because they have great players and Jefferson, it starts with Jefferson, but it's also Hawkinson and Osborne and Addison. They're going to make some plays. Mac Jones threw for 300 yards, but how many points did they generate? Not enough to win the game. I'll give you that. They didn't even get that. Kirk Cousins threw a bad uh, pick in the red zone in the second half, which uh, was a backbreaker. And again, as John mentioned, Ben Lieber, uh, uh, former Viking turned reporter in Minnesota, is going to join us uh, in hour number two. Um, that that was the game breaker for me. Um, yeah, he's going to throw for a lot of yards. Who's going to be the eagle that's going to come up with that big pick play? Is it going to be Slay? Well, Somebody's got to uh, be able to look at Slay last year. Um, that that was the worst game Justin Jefferson has ever had. Um, and it wasn't because of Slay, all due respect to Slay. It was because of the front. It was because Cousins was hurrying. It was because Cousins was throwing the football up. Um, now, Slay's a big part of it, big playmaker, tremendous. I'm not trying to say he didn't have a good game. He had a tremendous game. But the bigger impact of that was the front. And, and 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 hurrying cousins up, I think the same thing is going to happen this year. The same thing's going to happen. Um, it, yeah, it, 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 even worse because now, look, I'm very high on Jalen Carter. I think anybody who watches this um, show knows that by now. But the one thing I am interested in from Jalen, the thing about the NFL is you have to do it consistently. And he's a very young potential maturity issues that's the reason why he was here in the first place because people were concerned about that does he rest on his laurels because he had such a great game that that that's something i want to see because the nfl is about consistency from week to week uh the truly great players um so so i am interested in that but even if he doesn't have another great game you still got bletch who's gonna play you still have milton williams you still have jordan davis um yeah i I, i'm in the old boxing analogy of styles make bites this this looks like a terrible style matchup for minnesota in my mind that's why i'm so confident about the eagles now you're you're talking about move forward yeah, then I start to get more concerned as the changes in the styles aren't maybe as as advantageous, not necessarily Tampa because they're terrible offensively. So I don't know how – I think the Eagles will struggle a little bit against Tampa offensively as they continue to get, um, you know, get their footing under them. 
But I, I don't think Tampa can score that many points, but we got plenty of time to get to that game. Right. Um, um, so let's stick with this one. How many points do you think that the Eagles defense can hold Minnesota to? If they got 17 last week, which is not a hell of a lot, not enough to win the game, how how much do you think the Eagles defense sons N'Kobe Dean and sons Reed Blankenship is going to be able to hold the Vikings to? I'd say same range, maybe 20, 23, maybe give them an extra 24, maybe give them an extra touchdown. Um you know, but I think the Eagles will be able to generate some offense. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I've said it. If, if the Eagles fans could get the coordinator they want, this would be the guy. I don't know if they know it or not, but if they've watched a lot of Brian Flores. But, um, and this is funny because at the Honest NFL, I give him the credit, used to work for the Eagles, does a tremendous job breaking down tape and all that stuff so he he told they used seven different personnel groupings last week seven different personnel groupings for multiple plays on defense and i asked him well how how rare is that never seen it before never seen it before it's been charting games for you know well over a decade typically it's three or four he used seven different personnel groupings they were number one in the NFL with five five man rushes, blitzes. Yeah, they uh, blitzed. Number one, number one in the league. But they were also number one. Get this, with three man rushes in the same game. In the same game, this guy is a mad scientist. But part of it is he knows he doesn't have the personnel. So he's throwing everything at the wall and trying to confuse quarterbacks and trying to do So it might be hinky at times. It might get ugly at times because he might guess right and he might have a corner blitz coming or he might guess right and he drops everybody and, and, and they generate a turnover. Who knows? But overall, he doesn't have the personnel. That's why he's doing all this stuff. That's why he's doing – he's throwing everything at the wall trying to confuse people. I'd rather have the better players and just, you know, like the Eagles did last year, which fans don't like. Now, I like the mentality because he goes into a game knowing, look, I'm up against it. I'm not just going to sit there like Ed Donatel did last year in the Vikings game and, um, you know, get beaten to a drum. He's going to try different things to try to slow you down. I like that mentality. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy the stuff he does. Yeah, I, I like results. Um, it's it's great to have a great mentality and a risque mentality and take chances and try and hide stuff where how to play out at the end. You can only do so much. You can only hide deficiency so much. You can only take chances and do things that people may not expect. If if it doesn't work, if the other team is successful against it, even if they didn't see it coming, if they've got a quarterback or a, a wide receiver who makes the right read and adjusts side adjustment, like well, you're gonna have the greatest plan in the world. The only thing that matters is well, something else. If you if you, now I predicted before the season that Minnesota Minnesota had 31st defense in the league last year. I said they'd be middle of the road, 15, 16. He got the results. 
Like that's the mark of a good coach. Like they're better. They were way better on defense than they were last year. Way better. But to your point about results, about ultimate, then you got to get players. Right. Doesn't matter. You got to get players. They don't have the players yet. Exactly. But he, he, you know, coaching is a sliding scale. And I'm very comfortable with my prediction after one week that they will be middle of the road, 15, 16. They're not good enough to be top 10. They don't have enough good players. But with somebody else, and you already saw it, they were 31st. With him, he's going to make them better. And he's a great, and I want to emphasize this, great defensive coordinator. But they don't have the horses. They don't have the horses. I still think they're going to be bottom third because they don't have the horses, as you just said. I think talent moves the needle more than uh, a coordinator does, and I just think that they're bad defense. And, oh, by the way, their overall numbers, not bad last week. Their second half numbers, when it counts, Baker Mayfield moved the ball and made plays against them. That's Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, they start facing better quarterbacks. I'm not sure the overall numbers will be as good. At one point, I think Baker, I saw the box score at one point. I think he was 4 of 14 early on in that game. Yeah, yeah and that's the thing. You, you tend to s- settle down. Like early, I said, you know, there's going to be some ugly moments because he's going to come out with this weird crap and the Eagles are going to go, what the hell? What is going on? And then he kind of slowed down and figure it out a little bit and it becomes easier. Uh, that's and, and that's where you need that's where you need players. Bottom line. But I mean, this is a team that gave up, you know, tr- you know, 350 yards. On a passing, forget about it. I mean, they're they're over four hundred. They gave up two hundred forty-two yards, Jody. I mean, that guy's it. To give up two hundred forty-two yards with that defense, and I get you're a results guy. That's freaking phenomenal, even against Tampa Bay, because they have nothing. They have not. They have Daniel Hunter and a thirty-five-year-old Harrison Smith. They're they're playing an undrafted kid. At middle linebacker this year, mm, but but the Eagles are are going to be lesser because an undrafted kid went out. A- again, at some point you move off where the guy was drafted. He, can he play or can he play? Uh, you got to let go of where uh, he was selected. Oh, he's he was first year. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. Like they can't get Lewis seen on the field. Quasi Adolfo Mensa's first draft is just a disaster. First round pick can't get on the field. Second round pick, Andrew Booth. He's their fifth corner. Uh, third round pick, Brian Asamoah was supposed to be the starting middle linebacker. Ivan Pace beat him out, undrafted rookie. Disaster. Disaster is first draft. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I'm telling you, Brian Flores is tremendous. And you can hear Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni. They have unbelievable respect for this guy then let me ask you a question if if this guy is as good as you say he is and i respect him i think he's a very good defense quarter uh maybe not as as highly ranked as you have him why didn't the eagles get him this offseason because they don't want to play that defense i i hate the Eagles scheme i hate it i say it all the time people don't listen the vikings ran the Eagles scheme last year they ran the fangio scheme they were one of the worst at it 
you know, because they had communication breakdowns. This guy's the exact opposite. This guy is the guy that built up. This is the aggressive guy. This is the guy who's trying to dictate. This is the Wink Martindale times 10. Um, and if you go back and you're a Jets guy, so you should know. I'm not saying he was a successful head coach. That's a different role. But that Miami defense was thinking good because he he brings he he's gonna get more, same as Bill Belichick, like people, and that's who obviously tutored. Learn from, yeah. But he's more aggressive. He's more aggressive than Bill. Um he's gonna make what he has better. And that to me is the mark of a good coach. But I'm with you. I want players. I'd love to have players and coaches. Yeah, that's but kinda, I want players. That's I the nirvana everybody is striving for. Yeah. But I want players. But yeah, I think this guy is yeah, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And to do that, and it's a very small sample size, but to do that one week with that defense, two, under 250 yards in this modern NFL, it's not his fault they lost the game. It's the offense's fault. They turned it over three times. Yeah, but again, they did let Baker make some big plays in the second half. If if they had, if they gave up 250 yards, I bet you the split was – uh, like over 150 in the second half, like 100, maybe 91 60. If you're telling me they held them to 250, yeah, but it's still good, they did Jody. Not... I mean, at what point do you look at the other side and say, All right, this guy did enough to win, the other side didn't do enough to win? That's how I look at it. I mean, he did it. If you give up 200 NFL game in this era, you did enough to win defensively. Yeah. It's all, it's on the other side of the football. And they gave up 95 in the first half. So they were worse that. in the second half. But I mean, how do you, are you going to say, well, you got to give up, you gave up 95 in the first half. So you can only give up 95 in the second half. I mean, the offense lost the football. Now, could they have made a stop? The offense, another chance to sputter out and not win the game? Sure. I mean, you can always make an extra play, but I'm saying, if you come out of that game and say, well, he didn't do enough to win, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say the offense didn't do enough to win. No, I think they lost the game on both halves uh, of the football um, pretty damn close. And going into tonight's game, yeah, I'm more scared about the Viking offense than, than Flores. Well, they have defense. better players. They have better players on the offense, um, but they don't have – you know, they have skill position players, and that's let's be honest, that's what everybody looks at. And they're excited about skill position players. But why the Eagles have the big advantage is Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata. And it's boring. It's boring to point out that that's the reason they're gonna win the game. Everybody wants to talk about Jefferson and AJ and TJ and Devante and Dallas Goddard. Can they get the ball to Dallas Goddard? You're going to finally see DeAndre Swift, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson. They're going to win the football game. And conversely, Austin Schlotman, Ed Ingram, Ezra Cleveland, they're going to lose the game. I, I hope you're only so right about Flores and his defensive expertise. 
I'm going to believe that the Eagles score more than 18 points on offense, and they did last week. Despite Flores' genius status, I think the Eagles will be able to put up more points than they did last week against the genius that is Bill Belichick. All right, he's uh, McMullen on McDonald. Birds 365, Mac and Mac will be joined by Game Day Kratz. Eddie Kratz from Sports Illustrated joins us next. Passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got Mac and Mac here with Young Birds 365 A game day Thursday means we got game day Kratz Eddie Kratz from Sports Illustrated jumps in with us here Ed, John and I were going back and forth about uh, the matchup between the Eagles and the Vikings John seems more confident than he did say 10 days ago, before the season started, before both of these teams showed their week one wares, I'm less confident because of injuries to the Eagles' defense. I had questions about the Eagles' defense before the season started, and no Reed Blankenship and no Reed, no uh, Nicobe Dean. 
I worry about both the safeties and the linebackers. And I know how good the Eagle middle of their defensive line was last week. I would think they'd be able to do something very similar this week. Is that going to be enough or are they going to pay a price for injuries in week number one? Yeah. Injuries are a concern. No question. Um, you know, it was something the Eagles didn't have to deal with a whole lot last year. And, you know, as far as N'Kobe Dean goes, that was, that was the one guy I think everybody was concerned about. Undersized, five foot eleven, was the injury. Not everybody. I wasn't concerned about. That's right. You were in love with uh, Dean from the get-go. <laughs> yeah. But I was, and I was concerned after he got hurt in training camp. He couldn't stay healthy uh, for a full training camp, and now here we are. He couldn't even get through week one of his uh, first year starting. I mean, that's a concern. I know injuries you can't control them. Uh, but it, it's absolutely a concern. And the Eagles are going to miss T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White more than anybody probably realizes at this point. And I thought that was a possibility. And here we are, uh, week two, they're already without Dean. They're really short on linebackers. They're just bringing in guys off the street. They signed Rashawn Evans. You know, maybe he can be the guy. Who knows? He was on the street for a reason. Uh, and then safety, Reed Blankenship. That was another guy that the Eagles were really counting on to – Answer the bell for 17 games, and you know and now he's got a rib injury, and who knows how serious it's going to be. I would think that the you know the 10 days between you know tonight's game and the Monday nighter in Tampa will get uh, will be enough time for some of these guys to get healthy again. But you get, you're going to have to muddle through tonight, and I think we might see Sidney Brown uh, start at safety. I was a little surprised that Terrell Edmonds only played 10 snaps in New England, uh, so maybe he gets the nod across from uh, Justin Evans, but uh, certainly. You know, and then you have James Bradbury. You have a second-year undrafted rookie free agent, Josh Job, stepping in for you know the savvy veteran James Bradbury. Uh, it, it's a concern. There's no doubt. And the flip side, like you said, is can that defensive line make life tough for Kirk Cousins? The Eagles only had two sacks last week against Mac Jones, but they got him off his spot quite a bit. Um, and you know, this offensive line is kind of similar to what the Patriots rolled out there. The Patriots were starting two guards that were rookies. Uh, they had just put their left tackle on IR. I mean, their own line was banged up and they did a pretty decent job, all things considered against the Eagles front. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more concerned now. I mean, than I was maybe, you know, heading into camp, let's say that this game could be a problem. Now I think it's a real problem. Yeah, I, I might be more concerned moving forward as we get down later on the schedule. But I, you know, from my perspective, as you mentioned with the offensive line, similar to last week, Styles make bites. Ed, I mean, I, I, I asked Jody. I'll ask you, how in the heck is that Minnesota interior going to block the Eagles' defensive front? If they can, yeah, then I'll look great. Then the Eagles got some issues. If they don't have Christian Darrisaw, who's questionable, one of their two good offensive linemen, it gets even worse. And that's why I'm not worried about this particular game because I think the the, the matchup uh, up front favors the Eagles so much. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to have any time to get the football down the field to Justin Jefferson and company. Well, he might consistently. Not he might not have to get the ball that deep. I mean, the Eagles got beat over the middle. Uh, again, linebackers, not very effective in coverage. They have a very good tight end in TJ Hawkinson that can exploit the middle of this Eagles defense without, uh, you know, your top safety and, you know, really thin at linebacker. Linebackers, that to me, really can't cover in, against tight ends. And, 
So you might not need that much time if you're Kirk Cousins. If you're putting together a game plan, you're going to want to get that ball out as quickly as possible. It doesn't matter how far you throw it down the field. You're going to complete some passes against this defense over the middle, and you might be able to dink and dunk them for two or three touchdowns uh, and, and keep the Eagles' offense on the side of uh, on the sidelines. So, you know, I think there's a couple intangibles maybe working for the Vikings here too. I mean, first of all, they're zero and one. You know, they got they got stung in their home opener by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team nobody really thought would be much this year, but has a very good defense, allegedly. Uh, so they lose that game. They're 0-1. They won 13 games last year. This isn't a team that's just going to fall off the map. I know they won a lot of those games, you know, by one score or less. So, uh, you know, it, it, that's a big advantage, I think, to the Vikings. They're going to come out and they're going to be ready to play, I think, this week. And also they lost here last year in week two. They got clobbered. They lost 24-7. to Kirk Cousins through three interceptions in that game. So, you know, that to me is an intangible that goes in the Vikings way also. Um, so, yeah, that's just two more things that to, to, for me to worry about for tonight. And who do you think is going to pick up the slack for the two injured players? Is it just you plug in Christian Ellis because he was on the roster last week and Nicholas Morrow was on the practice squad? Does Morrow have a chance to play? Uh, is it going to be a rotating thing? How do you think uh, Sean Desai is going to – uh, use his linebackers and how were they going to replace Reed Blankenship? That's part of my problem. Not only did they lose good players, I don't love the depth that they have at those positions that they're bringing in. How do you think the DC is going to ferret out those reps tonight? Yeah, well, you shouldn't love the depth. I mean, the Eagles really went light, you know, in terms of salary at those positions and they kind of had to with some of the other contracts that they're paying out. But, you know, linebackers, a position that they've really not, thrown a lot of resources at you know they developed tj edwards and now he's gone they, they brought in kaiser white that was a home run uh zach cunningham to me you know he's he's average he's been average i know he had a pass breakup on a pat huge against new england he recovered a fumble that jordan davis forced um but i'm not so sold on him in coverage so I think it's going to be Christian Ellis that's going to get that start. I think he'll be the one wearing the green dot. He did it after Dean went down. He wore that communication device inside his helmet to communicate with uh, Sean Desai on the sidelines, and then they gave it to Reed Blankenship uh, later in the fourth quarter after they made some substitutions for personnel. They didn't have Ellis on the field. But I think it's going to be Ellis. I think he'll get the start. I think you'll see Nick Morrow probably rotate in there a little bit. Um, you know, he was a guy that was underwhelming in training camp, uh, didn't make the team coming out of the summer. Um, but I think he'll see some time. I think he'll probably rotate in maybe with, uh, Zach Cunningham, uh, and they're going to mix and match. And like I said, it's safety. I don't know if they feel Sidney Brown's ready, but I think he'll see some snaps. I think Terrell Edmonds is probably the guy that will start, uh, opposite Justin, uh, or, uh, yeah, uh, Dean. Justin uh, Evans, yeah. Oh, yeah, Justin Evans, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that'll be Terrell Edmonds. And I think Sidney Brown could rotate in as well. Um, so we're going to probably see our first look at the rookie third-round pick that everybody's excited about. <clears throat> I'm not sure the Eagles really feel that he's ready. Um, but ready or not, he's going to probably be called on tonight uh, for some key snaps. Yeah, uh, silver lining potentially, because I think you're right. I mean, if you look at – the Eagles want coverage. I would think they would want coverage even more so this week than last week because Minnesota has more explosive playmakers. Um, and Terrell Edmonds isn't a cover guy. So 
you know, maybe if he throws Sidney Brown into the deep end of the pool and he swims a little bit, you know, probably make a mistake two or three, but if he swims a little bit and then on the offensive side of the ball, nobody seems hyped up with Kenny Gainwell, but the coaching staff trust him. Now you have an opportunity to look at DeAndre Swift or Shot Penny. Maybe they swim and it opens the eyes of the coaching staff. Could there be a silver lining to some of these injuries? Well, absolutely. I mean, opportunity, you know, that's what the NFL is all about is getting the, the opportunity to show what you can do on game day. And now we have some players that have that opportunity. You know, obviously Swift and Penny have a history in this league, so they've had opportunity before and they've done pretty well with it. Uh, Sidney Brown, no, this would be his first opportunity. Christian Ellis really is kind of, you know, I know he got some reps at linebacker late last year, but he's a guy that, you know, he's trying to. There's no silver lining at linebacker. I can't. No, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, you know, and that was the big concern all year. And to me, it was the Kobe Dean and his injury history, not, you know, his health, his size. And sure enough, it's manifested itself. But listen, for all this gloom and doom that we're talking about here, I don't see the Eagles coming out and playing the same way they did against the Patriots on offense. You know, I think the offense just wasn't ready to start the season. I mean, the offensive line, to me, everybody's giving Jalen Hurts a hard time for, you know, not seeing open receivers, his inability to read uh, the defense of the Patriots. But first of all, you got to remember, Bill, Bill Belichick's a defensive whiz. He's a Hall of Fame coach, and, and he, he's got some pieces on that side of the ball. Yeah, he does. He can, yeah. you know, he, some hybrid players that he can play in different roles at different spots. So uh, that was a tough matchup. And this Eagles offensive line, like I said, everybody talks about Hurts, but this O-line to me wasn't, wasn't ready to go. They just didn't communicate. There were a lot of times that Jalen Hurts was back there for maybe two seconds, and all of a sudden he had to roll out and scramble because pressure was coming. Um, so this offensive line is going to have to play better. And I think it will. I really do. I think, uh, Mine at home helps because you have the extra home. tick. Uh, you don't have to worry about the noise and conversely the bad Minnesota update, it gets worse for them because yeah. they have to play on the road. So, yeah, I, I think this Eagles offense, Jody, you mentioned they had the 18 points in new England and, you know, they're going to put up more points. I really believe that. I think this offense will uh, come to play tonight. Uh, you know, they have one game under the belt. It was just four, eight, four days ago. Um, and they know they have 10 days off now. So I think they're going to come out uh, and they're really going to show us the offense that we all think they can be. All right. Last year, I remember it like it was yesterday. Week one, Devontae Smith, zero catches. And then, how can that ha- How can Devontae Smith have zero catches? And Nick Sirianni kind of shrugged and said, we'll get Devontae the ball. And he did. And he had more catches than any Eagle in the history of the Eagles in a season. Is the same thing going to happen with Dallas Goddard tonight? Seeing as he had zero catches last week, do they go out of their way to reestablish Dallas Goddard? Is that predictable? If they do, will Minnesota be on the lookout for it? Well, every team should be on the lookout for Dallas Goddard. I mean, you know, he's one of the better tight ends in the league. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I know Dallas said that he was doubled sometimes against New England. I mean, the Patriots did pay attention to him, and I think the Vikings will be the uh, do the same thing. And, you know, you, you do have the Devontae Smith model to look at there where he had zero catches, and then I think he had 15 over the next two games, finished with 95 of them in the season um, and a caveat there, that's not the most catches in team history. It, it is for wide receivers. No, wide receivers, wide receiver, yeah. that's why. Matt Gertz had the 116-catch yeah. season 
in, in 2018, which, by the way, Dallas Goddard was shut out in the catch department his rookie season three times because of Zach Ertz. But the last time he didn't have a catch was, I think, week two of the 2019 season. So it's been four years uh, since we saw Dallas Goddard go a full game without having a catch. And, I, again, that I think is something that's going to change. Uh, and Sirianni, that was one of the first things he said in his post-game interview uh, in New England was – I don't want to be a part of a game plan where Dial Scott doesn't have any catches and DeAndre Swift only has two touches. Uh, so I expect. But both yet those- he was part of the game plan who did that. Well, I don't understand that. Well, there were I some don't... things they said they had dialed up for him, but they couldn't yeah. get to them. Um, but again, I, to me, it all starts with this offensive line. You know, Cam Jerry, they were working in a new piece, not to give this line some time to work together in a preseason game, an actual game, I think was a mistake. Uh, you know, injuries aside, you have to balance the injury factor versus, you know, the types of, uh, you know, readiness that you'll be uh, having to have when you start the regular season. This offensive line to me just wasn't ready. It wasn't ready to communicate. It wasn't ready to be on the same page with each other. And I think that goes back to the summer and uh, it's got to be better. And, you know, history says it will be better on that offensive line. It's, it's one of the yeah. best in the game and that hasn't changed. Much. I agree. I mean, with the offensive line, and you're right, and that impacts everything because, you know, as Jody points out, you're not going to put the starting quarterback out there without uh, the starting offensive line. And, you know, I think Bo Wolf was on the show and mentioned, you know, I'm not making Jason Kelsey dress. In a weird way, it hurts the Eagles from a preparation standpoint to have guys like Kelsey and Lane because you know they can play. You're not even concerned about it. But, you know, you want to get Cam Jurgens up to speed, but you can only do that by putting Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson at risk. So I be it. agree with the I would, Eagles. I'm I would, not, man, I'm not risking them. I would risk them. I mean, it's football. You know, I don't care, you know, you're 35 or however old you are, 33 years old if you're Lane Johnson. I, you got to play ball. I've seen the Eagles play without Lane Johnson. I don't want to see it. I don't yeah. want to see it. And, yeah. and if I, you know – and I'm the one who says you can't legislate injuries, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm not changing my stance. But it just feels worse if you lose somebody in the preseason to me than the regular season. And Jody yeah. went through it with four plays with the quarterback. Even that, it, at least he got hurt in a regular season game. If that happens in a preseason game, I'm like, ugh, what, why, what, you know. But that's just my, my John, personal I can I can guarantee you. Those four plays that the Jets got at Aaron Rodgers does not give me any solace. (laughs) The Jets are fucked. That's all there is to it. I don't care when Aaron Rodgers went down for the end of the year, beat a preseason game uh, or four games into his first regular season game. It doesn't give me any solace. It gives me slight solace to lose a player in the regular season. Now, four plays is, you know, you'd rather get four games, but four plays is a gut punch no matter what. But um yeah it's to me at least you're fighting for something versus fighting for nothing i think if you're going to get hurt you're going to get hurt that to me points out that if you're going to get hurt four games in the regular season 
And why not get hurt four plays into the preseason? So at least you have, you know, a couple of weeks to kind of figure it out. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting ready. point. I mean, maybe you uh, can get Zach Wilson up to speed. I doubt right. it. But, uh, or, or you maybe. get Jack Driscoll up to speed if you lose Lane Johnson. I mean, listen, guys could get hurt tonight. I mean, and, you know, we talk about these injuries. And, you know, the Eagles have three guys, I think it is, with rib injuries, not the barbecue yeah, variety. Yeah. You know, they're not the barbecue variety ribs. They're, they're rib injuries from hitting, actually hitting. Uh, you know, which they're sore. I, I don't think anything's been announced as broken, um, which would be horrible if it was, because that takes a while. You hope it's just bruises, but again, it's hitting, and that's what they didn't really get. I know they have the controlled practices with the. Well, I'm with you there. I mean, nobody hits though. Nobody yeah, hits. to me, it's it's an avo- an avoidable thing, and if it costs you a player uh, in the summer, then that's the cost of doing business, man. It's football. It's going to happen. If it didn't happen then, it's going to happen later. And again, theories are theories are theories, and you can't prove any of this. And the Eagles get their nose all out of joint when you say luck. There is luck attached to injuries. Well, they didn't like it when you said luck. You got lucky that you didn't get hurt last year. No, we didn't get hurt because we didn't put our players at risk. Well, guess what? You didn't put your players at risk this year, and several of them got hurt week number one. I can come up with the theory that, well, maybe if you had put them more at risk, in the preseason, they would have been better prepared to deal with action in game number one, and maybe they don't get hurt. Neither one of us can prove which side is right. It's a theory on both sides. But all I know is the Eagles are shorthanded this week because they've lost two of their key defensive players at the linebacker and safety position, which are the two weakest to begin with on the team before they ever come out of the lineup. And, and that's and that's why I think we have to be careful not to overreact with what we saw in week one with any team, because it's really an extension of the preseason still. They're still getting these guys ready. Like everybody's like, oh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. They won 40 to nothing. Well, one game, you know, the Boy, Chiefs. The Giants looked, oh, oh, the Giants yeah, the Giants look are terrible, but you can't yeah. overreact and say, well, the Cowboys are back to being the doomsday no. defense no. and this and that. Same way you can't react that, hey, the Lions beat the Chiefs. Nice win. Really good win, but let, let's see. I mean, this is a this is a marathon season. That one, that one we can figure. You take your second, your third best player off your team, you're yeah. gonna pay a price for it. And yeah. both yeah. break the They still almost won too. I was yeah. a little disappointed. Exactly. Sure you go across the league, like you know, are the Vikings? You know, are they not going to win double digits this year after winning thirteen? No, they are year? not. <laughs> I mean, I know there have been some changes uh, with, with this team, but still, I don't think you can overreact. And the same with the Eagles. They didn't look great. They got a win in a tough place on Tom Brady. Right. So, yeah, I think you can't overreact with what happens in week one. Speaking of the injuries, I'm going to nitpick here with both you guys. And I want an explanation for this because I've actually asked the NFL and they won't answer. James Bradbury's not playing. I think that's the biggest loss because it's an all pro level player. Yep. Uh, He got a concussion late in the game. I don't know how serious the concussion is because they're not allowed to give information about concussions. Why? Why? Why can't we know they give information. Now they hold it off the Eagles as long as possible, but they give information on every other type of injury. Why can't we get, this is a grade one. This is a grade two. This one's more serious. Why is the head injury aspect so clandestine from the NFL standpoint? In other words, if James had a light concussion, he doesn't have a strong history of the concussions that I know of. Um, 
if this were a Sunday game, he could probably get up back on the field and play. But it's a short week. But my larger nitpicking point is, why can't we get information on concussions? And I'll throw out my theory, because they don't know what the hell they're doing. It's all willy-nilly. What are your guys' sort of thoughts on that? Well, I think you're right. When it comes to concussions, listen, I've been told I've done a lot of writing on concussions years ago when I was in the newspaper business. And, you know, a lot of doctors will tell you there really is no distinction. I mean, between a light concussion and a heavy concussion. I mean, right. a, a concussion is a concussion and, and it impacts players and, and people, you know, regular people like us in different ways. It manifests itself in different ways. So there's no grade one or grade two type concussions. They're all created equal. Um, so that's really why, I mean, it's not like a knee sprain versus a tear or anything like that. The brain is still, but I will say just to unknown. jump in. Yeah. The just brain to jump in. in. Oh, yeah. they label concussions, the NFL. I do know that they say there's more, you're more susceptible. It's more dangerous. If you have multi concussions, it's more difficult. The it process is. to get through the protocol is more difficult. Why yeah. no information? It's, it's easier to get a second concussion if you come back too soon from a first concussion. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things with concussions. There are still a lot of unknowns with the human brain. I mean, it's still, you know, this great unknown in, in the medical industry about exactly how concussions affect people, how quickly people are able to overcome them. And then remember, the NFL had this lawsuit over concussions. So they have to be very careful on the ground that they're walking in terms of, you know, how they label these concussions. I don't think there is a, a single way to say he's got a grade one, grade two, because all concussions to me, and I've talked to many doctors, are, are created equal. And oh, by the way, don't think that lawyers and lawsuits and like don't. No, and that's yeah, that's the obvious answer. answer. That's, yeah, that's the obvious. Well, sometimes answer. the obvious answer is yeah. the right answer, John. Yeah. And I believe that that's the right answer here. They, they're yeah. always afraid to put extra concu- concussion information on the street because it could come back to bite him in a lawsuit for billions of dollars yeah. somewhere down the road. So Especially when you have a podiatrist handling your concussion program. I don't know what he was, Dr. Perlman, but he was something. Uh, rheumatologist, I think. He was Paul Tagliabue's room, rheumatologist running the concussion program, something of that nature. Okay. Yeah. Just remember, John McMullen said that one, not me. <laughs> Mr. Goodell, if you're listening. Oh, it's public. No, it's public. The first concussion doctor, yeah, he was not uh, a concussion doctor. It's already public. Anybody okay. can look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think uh, Bradbury would like the re-airing yeah. of that dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not commenting on that, but I, I'll comment on Bradbury and say that I think he'll be back for Tampa. Right. Um, you know, as I think Blankenship probably will be, um, Kenny Gainwell probably will be. I just think they're dealing with sore ribs after, well, surprise, football. There's actual hitting that takes place, uh, but I think those three will be fine. I think we're going to see Fletcher Cox tonight. You know, he, he pretty much told me in the locker room after the game on Sunday that uh, – he should be good to go. And, you know, he is listed as questionable, but I think he'll play as well um, in some capacity. I don't know how many snaps he'll get, but uh, yeah, I think, I think this is just kind of a hiccup right now. And 10 days is a good thing after this, before you play again. And I think these guys will be well, obviously Nicobe won't be. So your linebackers are still going to have to figure out how to get it done. Um, but I think Bradbury will be fine from his concussion 
Uh, in, All right. And, and uh, wait, by the guy, Dr. Elliot Perlman, 1994, Paul yep. Tagliabue uh, made him the mild traumatic brain injury, head of the mild traumatic brain injury committee. He was uh, a Jets doctor and he is a rheumatologist. I'm not making this stuff up. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Probably an old college friend, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Golfing buddy for the weekend? Who the hell knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, since he's a New Yorker and they're both New Yorkers. Uh, here's where I'm going to break today, tonight's game down to as simple as possible, Ed Kratz. You're going to tell me how this is going to go and it's going to make my pick for me. Because I was leaning toward the Eagles. And chances are before the show is over, I'm going to pick the Eagles. But I think it could be a right down to the last minute, much like last week against New England. Got to get a stop late to keep the Vikings out of the end zone from taking the lead kind of game, which I didn't think it was going to be up until I found out no Reed Blankenship and uh, uh, no Kenny Gainwell. And uh, we already knew N'Kobe Dean was going to be out. I think tonight's game will be decided by the tight end that has a better game. Last week, TJ Hawkinson had, are you ready for this? Eight catches for 35 yards. <laughs> that's four and change yards a catch. That's terrible. Eight catches is good. 35 yards stinks. But then again, you compare it to Dallas Goddard, who had exactly one target for no catches and no yards. Both yeah. of these guys are like, top five or six tight ends in the league yeah. and neither one of them did much of anything last week so you tell me who's going to have the bigger and better game tj hawkinson and or dallas goddard it will help me make my pick on this game at Kratz. wow um yeah that i would just say dallas goddard right now even though i think it's going to be really close and they could cancel each other out because i think hawkinson is going to catch passes and the Eagles are going to have to bring him down. Now I didn't see that game against Tampa. So I don't know if he, you know, caught it in traffic or if they were tackling. Remember, remember who Tampa Tampa yeah. linebackers are. Right. Um, those huge. guys can run. And they those can tackle and run. Slightly yeah. better than Zach Cunningham. Is that what you're telling me? Jim? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So bit. Hawkinson could have a big game, but I you know, I think Goddard will as well. Uh, and what does a big game look like for Goddard when you have these receiving weapons, Brown and Smith? And you could say the same for the Vikings with Jefferson. And I like Jordan Addison. He had a very nice pro debut against Tampa, scored a 39-yard touchdown, I think it was. So, you know, you got to pay attention to him. But, uh, you know, I think the Eagles offense isn't built around Goddard. I think the Vikings offense is built around Jefferson, but I think they'll get the ball to Hawkinson. I think it's going to be a push to answer your question as I'm talking. Right. To Thanks a lot for the insight. I'm going to go out there on a limb. Game I, day, I'm going to go Goddard because I think the Eagles are going to overcorrect. Now I think because he didn't catch it, they did the same thing with Devante as Jody pointed out last year. So I think they're going to be very cognizant of getting Dallas the football. So I'm going to go Dallas just for that reason. But Hawkinson always catches eight balls. The question is, is it going to be for 34 yards, whatever Jody said, or is it going to be for 104 yards? Um, I'm going to go Goddard because I think the Eagles overcorrect. At Kratz E, make sure you follow Ed on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Who's going to win the football game, Ed? Who's going to win it? Lock it in. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I'll go Eagles. Uh, I, I really think I, I had them scoring 32 against New England. They only put up 18 on offense, but I think they're gonna put up 30 plus points. So I'm gonna go Eagles 31, uh, Vikings 21. Oh no way! 31 21. I gotta give it up. That's my exact prediction. Wow. 31 21 guys. We're spending too much time together, John. Maybe yeah, that's man. it. And I, I know for a fact my prediction won't be 31 21. I'll do anything to come up with anything. You ruined my prediction. Well done, Ed Kraft. Well, and that's a cover. That. that that would be yeah, a cover because yeah, Eagles, by the way, the spread came from seven down to six after the injury injury report yesterday. So it is heading in the lesser direction. I think it could be closer than that. I think it could be closer than six. I think it'd be very similar to last week. The Vikings with the ball in the fourth quarter and a chance to take the lead. Sorry, I couldn't help you, Jody, with your uh, with your yeah, that, that toss up between the I, tight ends. Well, yeah. you're you're forgiven since you matched up with John on the score. He's happy. <laughs> He's happy with John not, but yeah. that's okay. If you're one for two, you're batting five hundred. Take it. And he always a pleasure. It's a Hall Thanks, of Fame brother. batting average, by the exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> we'll put you in the Hall of Fame. And we will also put you up next week. Uh, thanks for jumping on with us tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon enough. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks, Ed Kratz, uh, Birds 365. That's crazy, man. Yeah. You had it written down, huh? You were ready? Yeah. I'm ready. Now, last week you had 24-20, right? It ended up being 25-20. Uh, so you were damn close, right? Yeah. I was darn close last week. Um, Which I yeah. chided you because the Eagles were a four-point favorite and the under yes, was 44. Yes, yes, and you yes. put the Eagles winning by four and the total at exactly 44 yes. points. I, Give us a break, John. Pay either pick them to cover or you to pick the under over. You pick them both. But I don't even. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a gambler, so I don't even look at lines to be honest with you. Yeah, so, I do. Um, I know, but I. It's not like I'm trying to hedge. I just put what I think and then I let the yeah, chip. Sometimes that happens. Uh, that's the way I start the week. I always just come up with what I think is going to happen and then see how it compares to the line. And it may get me to change my thinking on the game slightly, just like because you should never change your way you see a game drastically. But uh, yeah, last week uh, you and I. Were well, I know the smart money. I've seen the smart money from the Philly Godfathers going toward the Vikings in this game. Like I, that doesn't that stuff doesn't waver me because I'm I'm like, you know, as smart as gamblers can be. You know, I think they look at trends more than. You know, it's sort of like coaches that rely on analytics only, and you're not looking in the moment um, and, and what's going on in the actual moment in an actual game. Now, that's helpful. Now, you can't be as close to one team as a reporter gets, you know, when you're looking at an entire league. I can't get close to other teams. Um, but I, I tend not to get wavered by that kind of stuff. You know where the smart money was last week, John? On the Colts against the Jaguars. How can the Jaguars only be a four-and-a-half point favorite? The Colts are terrible. The Colts are going to be bad. Rookie quarterback. Jags are going to win this division. by. And I look at it and go, oh, they got a bad line. I'm going to take advantage of it. The Jags are going to cover this line. This is the easiest bet of the week. Yeah, give me Jacksonville. It's smart money isn't always all as smart as it's cracked up to be. Sometimes you can just see a, a bad line and take advantage of it. My problem is I think the Eagle line is a good line. I think it's right where it should be. 
six, if anything, with the injuries, I think it's a little high. I think they should have adjusted it a little bit more. Uh, John has kind of tipped his hand because Ed Kratz tipped it for him what he thinks the outcome of the game is going to be. I will give you my feeling on it. Now we're number two here on Birds 365. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. We thank Eddie Kratz for jumping in. We're going to get a Minnesota perspective coming up about uh, less than 20 minutes from now. Ben Lieber, former Minnesota Viking linebacker turned broadcaster in Minnesota, works for Twin Cities Live and also uh, KFAN in uh, Minnesota, um, former player and and now a guy who analyzes the game for a living. There's a sideline reporter, too. He's their uh, radio broadcast. He, he is the equivalent of Howard Eskin? Yes, uh, but a heck of a lot more football knowledge, but... <laughs> I, I just I just uh, decided the game was going to be decided by the matchup of tight ends. It, it, it's actually an okay analogy, but we know that it's kind of decided on a broader basis than just tight end matchup matchup. If it comes down to sideline radio reporting. Uh, yeah, you know, Vikings are going to win. <laughs> you're saying the Eagles are in trouble? Is uh, that what you're yeah. telling me? Ben Lieber's going to manhandle Howard Eskin? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. If that if that's the deciding uh, uh, if that's the the tipping point, as they say, the Eagles are in trouble. When we get Ben on, we're going to have to ask him what's he going to be wearing because you know the sartorial splendor that is Howard Eskin. Well, that's true. He's, he's probably he's not going to wear it. Uh, you know, it's it, it's getting a little bit cooler, but it's not ready for the fur. Coat. Howard's not so. ready for the fur just yet. No. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's going to be actually pretty nice on uh, Sunday. Uh, but we'll talk to Ben Lieber coming up in just a little bit. And yeah, I'm concerned coming into this game because of the injuries the Eagles have, which is going to lend me to ask John McMullen a question about what the 53 man active roster is going to look like. The 46 man active roster is going to look like uh, uh, tonight. They're going to have Reed Blankenship out of the lineup. We talk about the fact that they only carry three linebackers. How can they get by with only three linebackers? Well, guess what? They're going to get by with three linebackers again tonight. It's going to be three and only three. A lot of times the answers for how you're going to get by with three linebackers is, oh, we'll go to big nickel. We'll bring an extra safety onto the field. Well, now they don't even have an extra safety yeah. to bring onto the field because they're not calling up somebody. Tristan McCollum's not coming up from the practice squad. They're going with three safeties tonight. You don't think they're going to try and add another corner, do you? No, they can't. But remember, they can activate. They can uh, dress uh, Eli Ricks and Mario Goodrich. Um, The problem is they're hamstrung from this perspective. They have to elevate Aaron Seapos. They have to elevate Britton Covey. They put themselves in that hole because they're playing the roster games. Um, and I can't elevate anybody else. So even if you wanted to elevate McCollum or um, you doubt you want to get Rashawn Evans out there this quickly, didn't even, you know, they don't even have a real practice this week. But if you wanted to, or Ben Van Sumeren for, you know, if you want to go that route at linebacker, you can't. Um, so they have, you know, there's good and bad to doing what they were doing. They were able to keep, Ricks and Goodrich away from the waiver wire. Um, so that's the good. The bad is you can't elevate anybody else because you, you got to elevate Sipos and Covey um, until they put them on the 53. Now they alleviated the linebacker issue by putting Morrow on the 53 and 
and moving Nicobe Dean to IR. Because they had so. a slot because yeah. Dean went to IR. Yeah. So um, they fixed that issue. Um, and then it's going to be, you know, like the Abonte Maddox. You know, they're, they're definitely going to dress somebody at corner, whether it's Ricks, Goodrich. They might dress both if they, they have so many injuries. But they're definitely going to dress one of them. And then you could sort of manipulate it. If you need another safety, you can move Abonte back to play safety. You have some versatility in that aspect. So, yeah, you got to – but that's the NFL, man. You got to figure out a way to get through games when you're banged up. And the Eagles are banged up on a short week. Here's the question I would have for you. You're right. Um, chances are to replace Blankenship, it's going to be one of the cornerbacks who was – DMP coach's decision last week as a uh, inactive. Let's say it's Ricks they activate. Do you think Ricks will actually play more from the line of scrimmage than Ringo? Because Ringo's already activated because Ringo is part of the special teams. Um, but when you actually have to put somebody in on a, a Minnesota comes with a four wide receiver package and you're going to quickly substitute you going to put Rex in or Ringo in? That's a good question. You know, judging by training camp, I would say Rex um, than, than Ringo. Um, but, you know, now that the doors are shut, so to speak, you know, maybe he's doing better in practice and maybe they have more confidence in him. I'm talking about Ringo. Um, I would think the hope is they don't have to um, – play any of them either of them um and hope josh job holds up uh, and i think goodrich would be ahead of both of them to be honest oh uh, so you think goodrich would get the nod over yeah both of those two goodrich guys would get the nod over both of them um if they were forced to play him now i think the hope is you know josh job is fine um and it's a difficult matchup for first nfl so i mean those are good receivers yeah um i think and I've said it, I'm a broken record at this point. Eagles are going to, if the Eagles win this game, and I think they're going to win this game, they're going to win it up front. If, if, if Minnesota comes up and Kevin O'Connell comes up, we haven't even talked about him because we've talked about Brian Flores. If he comes up with a great game plan and they, they're able to block the Eagles, Eagles are in trouble. They're in trouble. Because if, if, if Cousins has time to throw the, those receivers against that back seven, Eagles are in trouble. I think there's a better chance that they're going to just try and go get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. And like uh, I gave you Hawkinson's line last week, eight catches for a tight end is a big game. 35 for yards He's for a tight there. end stinks. So He's that always. tells me that the Tampa defense, the linebackers and the safeties did a great job of bringing him to the ground as soon as he got his hands on the ball. Do you have faith that the Eagles' safety and linebackers are going to be able to do the same thing? Well, this let me week? let me let me give you Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., Zach Cunningham, Christian Ellis, Justin Evans. Right, there's a little bit of a difference yeah. there. Yeah, there's, that's what there's, scares me going into yeah. this game. That if T.J. Hawkinson gets eight catches again this week. Oh, I'm oh, guaranteeing you more than 35 yeah. yards. Yeah. More I'm, like I'm, 85 yards, if not 100 yards. Yeah. That's a little scary, J-Mac. Yeah, well, look, 
they're they're up against it in the back end. They're they're not good in, in up the middle to begin with. Even if Nicobe's healthy and Reed Blankenship and and by not they're a lot better, but they're not a top level team, is what I'm trying to say. Um, up the middle in the best of circumstances. Um, you know, as the year goes on, maybe Nicobe develops and redevelops, and there's promise at both of those positions, but. Look, that's a weakness coming into the season. Now it's much worse. So, yeah, it's an issue. Um, but, you know, that's why you can win football games a lot of different ways. And my whole problem, the Eagles build, and this is where I give Howie credit, the Eagles build their team right. Minnesota does not. They ignore the foundation, you know, going to pick on my wife here ignore the foundation and buy the nice furniture and buy the that you know if the house doesn't have a foundation you're screwed and that's where minnesota is and the eagles have the foundation so when they lose uh, and i don't want to call them ancillary players but there's value to certain positions we all know that in this league and the eagles value the offensive line they value the defensive front and that's why they can persevere through these injuries to safeties and linebackers and even receivers and things like that. You might have to win in an uglier fashion, um, and you do have to win in an uglier fashion, but you can win because you built the team the right way. And I'll take another shot at Quincy Adolfo. Um, I think he made a mistake not keeping Dalvin Cook. And I know that Dalvin Cook, the contract given to him was before Quincy got there. So you don't want to be held accountable for deals that you didn't cut. But I'm just not a Madison guy. And if he busts out and goes for 95 tonight against Eagles, I'll come here on Birds 365 tomorrow and go, hey, I didn't give the guy enough credit. I would not be surprised if he's held under 50 yards again. He was last week. I think it'll be the same again this week. Um, that Dalvin Cook was a legit top five back in the National Football League, and they just said, we're going in another direction. You're you're taking a cap hit for him anyway, so you're, you're not saving all that much by just flat out releasing him forever. John, we, we talked about it here on the show. Uh, the Eagles should trade for Dalvin Cook. They weren't going to trade for Dalvin <laughs> no, Cook because everyone no. knew Dalvin Cook was going to hit the open market and then if he was playing for pennies on a dollar, maybe how he jumps in at the last minute. There was enough interest in him. Jets gave him good enough money that the Eagles weren't going to be a, a player in that arena. The Vikings got nothing for him. They traded. They just cut his rear end. And I think he's still a top five or six back in the league. That That's when you project a 13-win team to not get the double digits the next year. When they make a decision like, yeah, we just want to reset the, the, the roster and we want to move out of no, if you've already made the commitment, you're already taking the hit, you've still got a player who can play, you don't just go ahead and cut him. That was a stupid move by the Vikings. Yeah, I got to. I, I, I'm a little bit torn. I'm not going to kill him for that one because I, I do am. think Dalvin is descending. Uh, he's not, I think he was a top five back in his, you know, at his height. I, I know he was, but, um, and, and it's kind of difficult to tell with that offensive line because he had really bad advanced numbers, you know, yards after contact, things like that. Um, but it's, you know, 
he's always getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. That makes it more difficult. But yeah, week one, you can't overreact. And 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 Madison obviously didn't put up uh, big numbers. I will say he's not explo- not nearly as explosive as Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, it's kind of the Miles conversation. And and Ben, I see Ben's in the green room. We'll get the break and get to Ben as quickly as possible. Um, you know, Ben will have a better description. To me, they want more. It, it was like the Miles when Miles would get criticism for not taking the four yards when he was there. I think Dalvin got some kind of, some of that criticism, like trying to break it out. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah, yeah. And then when he breaks it out, everybody forgets about the, Oh, but he never goes up. Well, the of middle. course, when he breaks it out and goes 50, all of a sudden he's the best player yeah. on the team. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, Mackamac here on birds, three sixty five. quickie timeout, uh, Viking forecaster, Ben Lieber is going to join us next here on birds, three sixty five. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. 
Appreciate you streaming in with us here on Birds 365. Day of game. Thursday action between the Eagles and the Vikings. We've been talking about the Eagles for an hour and change. Let's get a Viking perspective next. Former Viking player turned Viking broadcaster Ben Lieber joins us here on Birds 365. Ben, you get a good night's sleep in your Philly hotel? You know, I did. Unfortunately, because of my other work, uh, I couldn't take the Vikings charter yesterday. I had to fly in late. Oh. Got in about uh, twelve thirty last night, so I I got some sleep though. All right, nice. Yeah, I had some difficulty getting up to Foxborough last week. Ugh, that charter has got to be thrilling, Ben. To still have that. <laughs> uh, good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, for for those who don't know, Ben was a very good linebacker for the then San Diego Chargers before uh, he went to Minnesota. Played very well there as well. Now the Vikings sideline reporter. I, you know, I've been harsh on the Vikings and, and it's for one reason, Ben, I want your thoughts on this because I like a lot of people saw the Netflix show quarterback and I gained a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins watching that play. He took a beating last year. So my question is, how can uh, the Vikings watch that program and say, all right, we're going to run it back with the interior of that offensive line. I fear for Kirk's life in this game with Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Milton Williams, et cetera. You know what? I think a lot of us thought the same thing. And, um, you know, Ed Ingram, the right guard, was probably the weakest link of that whole group. And I think the thought was, like most rookies going into their second years, hey, they're going to take a – he's going to take a big jump. You know, they, all these guys, if we bring them back, they're going to meld together better. Um, you know, you bring in Josh Oliver, the blocking tight end, which, you know, it, it does have a cascade effect down the line, how, how they can use protections, basically have a, an extra tackle out there in that tight end spot. I really think that they thought adding Oliver and the development of all um, of uh, Ingram was going to be the thing that we needed. And, you know, it still remains to be seen how much did they develop because Bradbury's out for this game. Darisaw's banged up, although he got banged up earlier in the in the game last week, but still came back and played, and he actually played pretty well. Look, guys, um, that's still a question mark. I think a little bit did get answered last week because, believe it or not, as much as people want to say that the offensive line and pass protection played poorly, they really didn't. They actually played pretty well against a very blitz-heavy Tampa Tampa defense. All right. Uh, again, we didn't watch the game last week. You were there every single play. I look at the stat sheet. And one thing jumps out at me that I just can't come up with an explanation for. And that's TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 35 yards. Now, if you're running back, if you get eight carries for 35 yards, that's okay. Eight receptions for 35. Was Tampa's defense just that good? that they stopped him in his tracks every single time where there were a couple of screens mixed in there where he just didn't get off the ball at all. Hawkinson is one of the best five or six tight ends in the league and eight catches is good, but 35 yards stinks. What happened last week between the connections between Cousins and Hawkinson? Well, like I mentioned, it was, it was the blitz heavy package that Tampa brought and you know, when you're when you when they disguised it, you know, they did a really good job. You know, they're the sack fumble that Antoine Winfield Jr. had. That was just a great dis- disguise blitz. They brought more than we could protect and and they got us. 
other times we we guessed right you know we we knew when they were going to pressure we knew kind of where they're going to pressure and so in that case you did have a lot of a lot of hot throws a lot of checkdowns a lot of just get the ball out and so unfortunately you look at those numbers Hawkinson was on the receiving end of a lot of those where they were just short passes and you know I, and I would admit that he's not the most dynamic run after t- catch guy he can get open he knows how to create separation. He's got good hands. Um, he's he's a hard guy to cover for a lot of linebackers and safeties, but you know he's he's not one of those guys that's going to explode on the ground after he catches the ball. So um, you know he was uh, he was getting tackled quite a bit right when he caught the ball, and you know hopefully that changes in tonight's game. But you know so far from last week, you know Philly, you guys know they didn't blitz much. You know they just relied on the yeah. four man rush. Yeah. Do they look back at last week's tape from the Vikings and say, "Hey, we can get after these guys a little bit"? So I'll be curious to see how much they blitz. Yeah, it's the big banjo scheme. You know about that last year from Ed Donatel, uh, Ben. The the drastic change from Ed to Brian Flores. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you could see such a extreme. It's like the if, if it were politics, it's like the most extreme right wing versus the most extreme left wing. He he led. This is amazing to me. I I told Jody, he led the league in blitzes five or more week one, and he also led the NFL in three man rushes. And he's using seven different personnel groupings. I love Brian Flores. I love him. But I don't think he has the horses right now. Um, one thing, you know, I you know, I covered the Vikings before you got there, Ben. So the Denny Green sort of uh, Mike Tice era. I think you got there with Brad, right? Yeah, I got there in 06 with Brad. Yeah. Uh, so I just missed you. But one thing the Vikings were always known for is great defensive linemen. Going all the way back to Alan Page and mm-hmm. Carl Eller and John Randall, Chris Dolman, Henry Thomas, go all the way up. Other than Daniil Hunter, I don't see a great front there. Um, so ultimately, I love Brian. I love all he's going to throw. But do they have the horses right now? It's a great question, John, and, I, and I'm with you. Um, I don't think that the Vikings necessarily addressed enough of their defensive line this offseason. Now, granted, there, there were, you know, some salary cap issues. You know, we picked up Dean Lowry, who, you know, is a, is a good player, maybe not an elite player. Um, you know, Marcus Davenport has yet to play for us and any, any you know, real snaps, and we'll see if he, he's going to go tonight. I'm with you, man. I, as a former linebacker that understands the importance of playing behind some, some absolute studs, you know, I had the Williams wall. You know, um, Pat and Kevin were, were amazing. And Kevin probably still doesn't get enough credit for how good he was as a three technique. Um, I played right behind Jared Allen, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm still old school enough to think that and and truly believe that you are going to win a lot of football games, if nothing else, because your offensive line and your defensive line can beat people up. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the different packages with Flores last week. It's great. I, I love it. Um, but again, there's still a time where on first down, you just bring four guys, you have you guys play coverage, you just play, have your linebackers play on their toes, you stop the run, and you don't have to do anything exotic. You know, I think a, a lot of times you can, you can overthink things, you can get this comfort zone where you just feel like you have to blitz or pressure or give the sense of blitzing or pressuring on early downs. 
And that can actually kind of hurt you a little bit where you got guys, you know, overthinking on defense all the time about the next check, the next adjustment. I got to show here, but drop here and do all this other stuff. Sometimes just line up and punch a guy in the mouth. Yeah, that's you would fit in quite well here in Philadelphia. <laughs> that's, that's a very much a Philadelphia thing. Went and doubt punch him in the mouth. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask you. Vikings score a touchdown 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter to get the game knotted at 17 last week. Baker Mayfield engineers a field goal drive, but time left on the clock. Certainly time for a response. The Vikings didn't give it. If you take away the first 45 minutes of the game and say, well, tied with 14 minutes ago, let's go see who wins. Vikings lose the game more because of their offense or their defense last week. Oh, more, more because of their offense, for sure. You know, you, you give the ball away three times in the first half, two in the red zone. You know, that's, that's you know, points, lots of points right there. Right, I'm just looking at the last 14 minutes. If you look at the last 14 minutes, tied at 17, uh, wipe away everything else, those last 14 minutes, more responsible. The defense for letting the Tampa Bay go down and get the field goal, or the offense for not being able to put up any points themselves. No, d- definitely the offense. And, and I'll okay. say this, and I'll, I'll say this: that um, you look at the end of the game, and you, you could feel it when the game was going on. Like, why, why are we not running the, run the football much? You know, we end up with 17 rushes. Three of those were Kirk Cousins scrambles. So 14 rushes by the, by the two running backs. We did not do enough to create any semblance of balance. We did not scare that defense at all. We did not put that defense on their heels at all. And you have to put that work in in the first three quarters on a defense to make them think, are we going to run? Are we going to pass? <laughs> we actually got, we gashed them a little bit in the run game by Alexander Madison going right up the gut. We went right after that defense. Uh, what, second play of the game, we went seven yards up the gut. Uh, the big 16-play drive that we had in the third quarter, I think the first play of the game, we went nine yards up the gut. And then you guys, we just don't really – we do everything sort of off tackle, and that's not Alexander Madison's deal. Like, he's not Dalvin Cook. He is a downhill, bruising guy. He'll make a guy miss, believe me. He'll make a guy miss. Rarely does he get tackled by the first guy. Get that dude downhill. We didn't do enough to get our offensive line to push downhill. And, and I really think when it came down to those crunch time situations, we were too predictable. They knew 100% we were just going to throw the ball. And they're just going to live with the fact that, all right, if they do run, um, you know, we'll just rally up and make the tackle. And that's the thing that does worry me about, about tonight. Again, is your guys' ability to sit back in coverage and just rally and make all these tackles for two or three-yard gains. We have to find a way, especially that's what happened in last, in, uh, late in last week's game. We did not run the ball enough. Um, we not, did not scare them with a run. Uh, rewind to week two last season, Ben, same thing. Uh, Vikings come in to face the Eagles, uh, probably the worst, I would say Justin Jefferson game of his career. Um, is he got a chip on his shoulder this week? Cause that that's scary from a Philadelphia perspective. Cause yeah. I think that kind of fueled him to have the season he had. Cause if I remember he was kind of peeved off, uh, <laughs> They let him play. Slate was all over him. He had a lot of physicality. Um, and Darius admitted that to me. Uh, but I think he, he had a little chip on his shoulder after the game. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I think I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder right now. You know, the contract situation didn't go the way that he was probably hoping. 
I mean, you, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the interception that we threw to to KJ Osborne and the right at the goal line and uh, the return. He laid probably you know the biggest hit of the whole weekend. Justin yeah. Jefferson <laughs> did. You know, yeah. you know that's just the way he plays. I think I think he has a chip on his shoulder to go out and prove that he's he's a dog. He's got that dog mentality that he can be a true leader of this franchise and he's going to lay it on the line no matter what. You know, his attitude, his words that he's talked about with this game coming up, you know, you can you can hear a different sense of urgency with him. And he knows, you know, you go back to last year's game, he was responsible for that interception in the end zone. He ran the wrong route. Um, you know, that's as great as Justin is, sometimes that he's not on the right page with Kirk. You guys know, you know, Kirk by now, everybody knows that he's a very cerebral guy. Like, rarely does he make the mistake on some of these throws he knows where everybody's supposed to be and how they're supposed to be there in that particular pass last year he was expecting justin to to cut across the face he didn't that's what he was supposed to do and he throws it to a spot and it gets picked off and so i think he's got a lot to prove because of the physicality that that uh, he faced last year and because he's got some redemption he wants to go down and help this team win and and do it not just catching the football but doing everything right Ben, being a uh, defensive coordinator in Philadelphia is a very unique position because the fan base here appreciates aggression over results. If you're a blitzer, if you're going to take chances, if you're going to punch a guy in the mouth, oh, you're going to be beloved here in Philadelphia. If you're going to play Vic Fangio's bend but don't break defense, you're going to come under scrutiny like Jonathan Gannon did last year. Coach Flores is a different kind of defensive coordinator that you've now got there in Minnesota. The number one percentage week one in percentage of blitzes. He would fit very well here in Philadelphia with the way the Philadelphia fan base thinks about how defensive football should be played. How's he being received in Minnesota? Number one, most importantly, by the defensive players he has. And number two, by the Viking fan base. Oh, everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. I mean, you know, he's not he's not one for words. He's not going to try to try to win you over in a press conference. But he says he says like all the right things, and all the things that you need. You need a guy like that to say doesn't totally elaborate on anything. But, uh, you know, I've met him privately. I think he's a tremendous person. Um, really get along with him. And I think the public. You know, really got tired last year, like you mentioned, Jody, of the of the bend but don't break. So many throws over the middle of the field in that 10 to 12 yard area, just getting just getting daggered all the time. And the lack of bringing pressure, it really frustrated a lot of people. So uh, already in game one, uh, the fans love him, you know, talking to Harrison Smith and some of the other guys can bind him about it. And like, you know, I asked them in the offseason it looks like there's so much going on. You know, we, we defensively call it, you know, spaghetti on a plate. There's just like, there's guys going everywhere in all directions. Like, is it, is it as complicated as it looks? And they said, no, it's actually one of the most simple defenses that we played in. And actually he actually, he gives us a lot of freedom to, to do what we want. Yeah. There's some disguised things going on. Yeah. We're moving around a lot. Uh, There's a lot of movement, but, there's simplicity to his coverages. He's like, we don't really have to think as much as people think we do. Um, so they really appreciate that from a player standpoint. And they said, you know, we go into him with, with questions, concerns. He, he listens to us. He makes changes in practice. So 
the players feel empowered by the fact that they have some ownership over this over this defense. Right. So it's not just Brian Flores' defense. Um, the the change that we talked about, Ben, um, the the extremes as he kind of mentioned with Ed's defense here in Philadelphia. Jonathan Gannon was, and he was in Minnesota as an assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably got to know him a little bit, but he was not very popular here uh, for the same reason. Um, soft defense, not that aggressive, but the Eagles were successful. Number two in the NFL made the Super Bowl, but they kind of blew up in the second half of the Super Bowl. And Nick Sirianni, you know, Jonathan got the head coaching job in Arizona. Nick Sirianni stayed the course, though. He hired Sean Desai, another big Fangio guy, same defense. I I say that to ask you the question, does it concern you at all that Kevin made that change? Like, if you believe that's the defense, that's the scheme you should be playing one year, and then all of a sudden you take a complete 180, does that concern you at all? No, it doesn't concern me at all, especially when you're getting a guy that's proven. I think it'd be one thing if they if he goes out and hires a guy that, you know, is part of a pressure system, is, is part of a, a really aggressive defense, but has never done it at, at that level, never called the plays. I, so um, the fact that Brian Flores has has a reputation that preceded him. I think that's what kind of give gave him some comfort is knowing what he did in Miami knowing the development that you see from those, from that, that those teams in Miami. Um, and obviously, you know, his, his exposure to Bill Belichick really helps. So no, I, I think it is still kind of specific to the person. Um, the nice thing is it was, it's still a three, four defense, you know, there's three, four multiple hybrid defenses, you know, their base guys, five on the, on the, on the defensive line or the line of scrimmage. So um, I think if we made a drastic shift from, we, you know, we've been a four, three for such a long time. We go to a three, four. Now you have to like find the right guys for that. And then if we went back to a four, three, that's where I think we would have said like, come on, you know, this is a little bit, a little bit too much. You know, we haven't even developed into these, these players to play this position. Um, but no, I think, um, you know, Flores has done it. He's proven it. And um, that's why I brought him in. All right. L- last year, the Vikings had a di- dynamite regular season, 13 wins, only one game off the Eagles at 14 wins, most successful regular seasons in the National Football League, but then get their ouster first round, get beaten by the Giants. All in all, I think you had to call last year's season a success. So now we're in year two, game two of year two of the Kevin O'Connell era in uh, Minnesota. Give me the Vikings head coach, number one strength and number one weakness. Ooh, um, you know, I think his biggest, I think his biggest week or biggest strength is his ability to call plays and be creative. You know, I think uh, he and Wes Phillips have this great synergy between each other of of understanding really how to attack defenses in the passing game. Um, we've seen it time and time again where they just they just seem to make the right call at the right time, and the execution's been is perfect. Um, you know, you, you look at young Jordan Addison, who's already, you know, he's known, was known as a very high football IQ, but to get him up and running already to be a major contributor to this team in week one, I think it kind of speaks to their coaching staff and what he has, uh, what he has in him as a coach. I would say his biggest weaknesses is, is um, 
probably going away from the run too early. You know, last year, even with Dalvin Cook, you know, I asked him in the, in the post-game press conference in our little sit-down for KFN Radio that, you know, just basically what happened to the run game. And, and he would admit, you know, on air publicly, hey, I've got to do a better job with that. You know, we got a little bit, a little bit off balance. Um, you know, we're looking for a little bit more balance and run pass ratio. And, you know, I just got in my head that we, we had to throw the ball for this, that and the other. And he's like, I'll, ma- I'll, I'll make that change as we go ahead. And I think we had that conversation, you know, three or four times in the season where he continues to kind of blame himself for not running the ball more, not having the right type of runs in the right situations. I know he doesn't want to be predictable, but he also still understands that, that there is a balance that needs to be done. So um, I would say right now still in, in, you know, like I mentioned earlier, 14 runs by your running backs and not mm-hmm. necessarily the type of runs that you want to see Alexander Madison run that, you know, he has to find a way to, to get out of the, the pass first mode and, and run the ball more. Uh, I can't give a, I have a linebacker here. So I have to ask you uh, a linebacker question, Ben. They devalued that position here in Philadelphia dramatically. Mm. I mean, they've been taking an off ball linebacker in the first round since 1976. We talk about it constantly. Now it's gotten much worse under Howie Roseman. They only kept three. The Kobe Dean's injured right off the bat. They got to do all this roster manipulation. Um, some teams, Chicago, paid $100 million to all linebackers. But overall, the position has been devalued in the NFL. As a former linebacker, do you see it that way? Do you? I, I know you don't agree with it. I, you can't <laughs> agree with it. No, I don't. I don't agree with it. Um, it's fascinating to me that everybody looks to the linebackers. I don't make I don't plays, know. and then they don't want to, you know, to use assets on linebackers. It's amazing to me. Well, I'll, I'll ask you guys: Do you guys know any other any defense in the league that uses a green dot on on anybody other than a linebacker? No. I mean, I don't. I don't no. know a safety out there that's using a green dot. Certainly not a defensive lineman. So you're basically telling me that the green dot is the quarterback of the defense. Yeah. And, and you don't think that, that that position in and of itself, that responsibility is important. Um, so that's fascinating to me. And, um, you know, they are the, the linebackers are the linchpin between the, the D line and the secondary. And a lot of times when you, when you find that, that guy, you know, you find that Ray Lewis type of guy, then, then that is that is the energy that is the spark plug that is that is you know your your whole essence as a defense is in that one guy and in that position group and and um, you know I, so I I I don't like it that um, they're going to give one guy all this responsibility and basically tell everybody how how important this position is but then you don't pay a guy like that or you don't go out and find a young uh, rookie that can fill that spot I do understand that it's become a passing league. You know, pass rushers are going to get a lot of money and guys that have to protect against the receivers that the corners are going to make a lot of money. Uh, but you look at the sole responsibility, of what a linebacker does and is um, they do need to be respected and paid more. Is Jordan Hicks, that guy for the Vikings, how is he filling that role? Is he the leader of that defense? And with the new defensive quite and a new de- defensive way of doing things, if that role has changed at all for Hicks this year? You know, Hicks is a good player. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's the sole leader of the defense. He's one of the leaders. Um, 
like Harrison Smith is probably the true leader of yeah, that defense. Right. Um, you know, the, the one, the one issue with our defense is we got, we got a lot of, a lot of really good players, great players. Um, Daniel Hunter, not exactly a loud guy, you know, he's kind of a, he leads by example. Um, and, and Harrison Smith is a little bit the same way. I'll, I'll tell you this right now, you guys, Ivan Pace Jr. I, I love that kid. Guys, I was going to bring him up. Yeah. I, I love don't know that how much kid. you guys have, have yeah. paid attention to him. I love the Eagles to bring him in. Yeah. yeah. Johnny's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. he, what he did, the way he moves around the field in just one game from last week, like this guy has it. You know, we're always looking for the it factor. This guy has it. The problem is he's just not very tall. But yeah. you, you look at the way he plays. He understands his weaknesses. He understands he's not a long-levered guy. He's not going to hit an offensive lineman, extend these long arms, and use that separation to get off the block. He's going to use his quickness. He's going to use angles. He's going to use his speed. He's going to use his brains. He's extremely smart. Um, you know, they trust him with the green dot, even as a rookie. So I would say, you know, give it give it uh, half a year. And if he's on the same trajectory that he's on right now, you know, he may become the vocal leader of this defense. Maybe not from experience, but yeah. he may become just kind of the motor of this defense. And, and guys will try <laughs> to emulate his tenacity. Yeah, it's amazing. He was an All-American for people that don't know at Cincinnati. Um you know, he's a great college player, but he was undersized, doesn't get drafted. I think he was one of the best undrafted kids. And now he's starting with the green dot as a rookie, which is pretty amazing already. Um, he is at a Nacho Lieber, Ben Lieber, uh, Viking sideline reporter, KFAN. By the way, Paul Allen, I got to mention Paul. Jody's friends with Paul, one of the best in the business. I think Pete Bursich as well. Another yep. ex linebacker uh, does That's the radio. A good crew broadcast. you guys got there. Yeah, very good crew. Um, so be nice to those guys, Philadelphia. When they're you know that not I can only do. Yeah, I can luck. only do. Good so luck with much. that, John. Good I can luck. only do <laughs> so, so much. Um, one last player I want to talk about. I love as well. That's not known is Josh Metellus. Uh, uh, um, what do you think of him? He seems to be a guy. You know, Lewis Seen, they drafted, hasn't been able to get on the field. Brian Asamoah, they drafted. Ivan Pace is better than him. I think Metellus is just better than Lewis Seen. Um, and he might be better than Bynum, to be honest. What do you think of Josh? Well, he's certainly been proven that he's better than than first-round draft pick Lewis Seen. And uh, and I, I everybody loves Josh Metellus. You know, he, he was a guy that, you know, uh, was on practice squad to start his rookie year. Uh, gets called up by the end of the year. He's he's the special teams player of the year. Um, last year, when Brian O'Neill went down with his his Achilles injury, um, they needed to fill the captain's role, and it was a unanimous decision that the the team said Josh Metellus is our as our team captain. I mean, it, it's incredible what he's done from a leadership standpoint. He's obviously earned every single ounce of that respect, um, and I think that says a lot. And he's he's now the third safety in our three safety package, and he's making plays. You know the guy the guy's a football player, and and sometimes you just you can't scout that. You just have to know what a football player looks like, and and he's and he's got it. So I'm happy for him. Um, he continues to make plays. You know both he and Cam Bynum are, I think are great success stories. Cam, you know you know you mentioned Cam. You know he you know I guess it's subjective. You may think that you know 
he's better than Cam or should get his spot or whatever. The point is, um, a lot of people doubted Bynum as well. And he, all he does every game is continue to, to improve, show that he belongs, uh, show that he's an undersized guy, that you know he was a tweener. Is he a corner? Is he a nickel? Is he a safety? He goes out there and earns a spot next to Harrison Smith, and he's playing well. I mean, both of those guys are, you know, hard-nosed dudes that uh that want to go out and make plays and and uh and i'm happy that we found metellus man he's uh he's a special talent all right i got two last questions for you ben first one is no one's really listening to this it's just you and me and john sitting around (laughs) so you can be very honest with us what's the fastest you ever went on i-94 and i'm guessing you didn't get as fast as jordan addison oh oh, oh boy oh boy uh, you know, I've, I've definitely pushed it. I think I've been like 120 before uh, 120 <laughs> going down, going down to Mankato when you guys had to go to Mankato. Cause I've made that drive many times, Ben, uh, there used to be, uh, I think an arrest every year with yeah. guys speeding down to Mankato. So yeah. 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 I never had a Lamborghini though. No, yeah. no, that, that, that'll cut into your overall time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was John who told me that it just lends itself. The road is out there in the middle of the, it lends itself to going a hundred miles an hour. And Jordan just pushed it on 140. <laughs> um, my other last question is, and I'm being honest here. I asked you to be honest. So I'm going to be honest. I quasi remembered 2012, John Lieber getting a workout with the Philadelphia Eagles. That after, ben Lieber, not John. Uh, John's I the say? pitcher. John, ben, <laughs> yeah. Right. Not a bad pitcher, ex-Philly. Ben yeah. Lieber getting a workout with the, uh, the the Eagles. Didn't work out, didn't sign. How close was it? Could you have finished your career in Philadelphia? Was it close? You know, I got to be honest. Um, I don't think it was close. You know, I was coming off of a, I was coming off a knee surgery. Um, you know, I, I knew my knee was banged up. Uh, it had been banged up for a couple of years and, you know, it was bone on bone, uh, at the time. And, and I thought by getting it cleaned up, getting some of the debris out there out of it would, would help. And I, and I came back and I did the workout and, you know, I feel like it was a good workout, but my movement just wasn't there. You know, my, my, uh, my deceleration wasn't there and they, and they saw it, you know, they're like, Hey man, you know, the knees is not where we, where we want to see it. And so it was, uh, it was definitely more of a medical thing that, um, you know, had, had I gotten more healthy, maybe did another tryout in, in a month or two than, than it's possible. Uh, I was motivated, you know, I wanted to, um, but my knee just wasn't responding. And, um, you know, at that point in time, it's like, you know, you live with, you live with knee pain and you live with, uh, you know, you can't sleep at night because your, yeah. your, bo- your bones hurt. Um, that was my, that was my, my cue that I could probably just need to hang it up. So, um, you know, I, I stopped playing the game before I think Philly really had a chance to see me yeah. at full strength. You got to 10 seasons though, right? So that's, yeah. uh, that's a heck of an accomplishment, uh, heck of a player too, Ben Lieber. Yeah. Thank um, you. Um, and we, we thank you so much for joining us today. One last little note. Don't listen to anything that Robbie Rosenfeld tells you. Uh, guy who works for KFA. He's a buddy of mine from New York. He'll lead you straight. He'll get you out at the track and losing money without. <laughs> you want no part of going to the Canterbury Downs with those guys. Stay away from that at all costs. Stay off I-94. You'll be fine. If you stay <laughs> off the highway and you stay out of Canterbury Downs, you're going to do great. And we sure you will tonight. Feel free to body slam Howard Eskin 
if you see him yeah. down the field. He's a buddy. He'll he'll be uh, trying to outdress you. Yeah, the, the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings have the edge on sideline reporters. That's <laughs> it. if it comes down to sideline reporters, you guys are going to win the game. I guarantee. Oh you. man! Well, you guys are the best, man. This was a lot of fun. Let's do this again sometime. Tell Thanks, uh, our boy Appreciate Mr. It. Allen we send our regards when you get on the air with him tonight. Thanks for doing oh, 100%. with us tonight. Will do. That is Ben Lieber, former Viking linebacker, sideline reporter, does Twin Cities Live on Minnesota television. Good dude and a good spot. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. All right, Mac and Mac coming back. We got to put a bow on the show before Eagles, Vikings. I can tell you what John's score is. Well, I'll let him do mm-hmm. it, even though yeah. listening earlier where you know what John's score is going to be. I'll give you my score in tonight's game next here on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mac guy, I'm 365. Last couple of minutes, 
before uh, we get ready for the Eagles and the Vikings, John will be in. He loves Thursday night games. It's oh. <laughs> oh. Suck it up, get it done, McMullen. Um, yes, thanks to Ben Lieber. He was great. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'd never had him on the air before, but a friend of mine suggested, because I tried to get Paul on, and I guess Paul uh, had business to take care of this morning, uh, the Vikings play-by-play guy on their radio side, uh, good dude uh, and a friend. I just couldn't do it. Somebody suggested uh, Ben, and I reached out to him and said, yeah, come on with you guys. And, man, he was very good. So we thank him for jumping in with us. Uh, we didn't hold his feet to the fire and make him pick against the Vikings. Because John McMullen has the Eagles winning what score, Johnny Mac? Uh, 31-21. Ed Kratz uh, joined Eagles. us earlier and picked... 31, Eagles 21. 31, Vikings 21, same exact score out of the two SI guys. Um, I'm more nervous about tonight's game than either of you two guys. You've got them both winning by double digits, 10 points. Uh, the defense scares me tonight. Um, I know N'Kobe Dean got beat in uh, a couple of pass coverages last week, but he's pretty darn good against the run. I'm sorry I don't have as much faith in Christian Ellis coming up. Uh, and stopping the run as I did in the Kobe last week. And I know he's only been a starter for how many games did Blankenship start last year when CJGA was out about four? What CJGJ miss last year with the uh, five games, five, five. Games. Okay. And so he got uh, 500 still, out last week, last year and his six starts. So he hadn't even been a full-time starter for a half a year yet in the NFL. He's going to be missed. He was as good as anybody. This wasn't named uh, one of the two big dogs in the middle of the defensive line. He's that third best defensive player last week. And you take him out, uh, that scares me a little bit. I think I think Vikings are going to put up a bunch of points. I really do. Yeah. I, I, the- I don't know. You know. It's funny because I just chuckled. In my, I was looking at Twitter and our buddy BLG, Brandon uh, uh, Lee Gowton. 31-21? No, but he he's he has his preview where he talks to somebody from the other camp on the Bleeding Green Nation family of sites, right? Um, and it it, it, it he, that person said half the time it looks like uh, Ed Ingram, the Viking starting right guard that uh, Ben mentioned, is actively playing for the other team. Ooh. I can't I can't emphasize how poor. I've tried to emphasize. I can't emphasize how poor their interior offensive when it comes to pass blocking. Now, they got some big guys thinking get going in the run game. They didn't last week. You bring up Christian Ellis and run support. Yeah, he's not N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe did do a good job in run support. I think that's a, 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 an, an, an issue. But they can't pass block. And the Eagles have the best interior defensive line in football. It's just, I can't, those two things, I can't imagine. Um, they don't have a huge, huge night. No, uh, and I think group. they're going to get the ball out fast. I think it's going to be a lot of quick hitting passes from Kirk Cousins. And that's, I'm not sure. that's cruel, though. Half the time it looks like he's actively playing for the other team. Yeah, that's harsh. That's a little on the harsh side. I'm going to go a higher scoring game than either you or Ed. Uh, for those of you who care about the lines, the Eagles are a six-point favorite. 
was seven after the injury announcement. It's ticked down to six. So if the Eagles win by a touchdown tonight, you're going to be a winner. I don't think they're going to win by a touchdown. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. We'll be hanging in the balance in the fourth quarter. Eagles are going to win. Eagles will walk away with a victory, much like the Patriot game this past week. But I think it's going to be close. So I'm going 34-30, Eagles over the Vikings. So my play for tonight's game is over because the over-under is 49, and I got the game in the 60s. So, yeah, I'll be playing the over. I'll stay away from the overall game because, yeah, I think the Eagles are going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover. So I'll just stick with the over. All right. So uh, you will be on the post game show tonight, Johnny Mac, live from the stadium. Yeah, if I make it. Uh, didn't make it to the stadium last week. Hopefully I can make it to the stadium. Uh, you have uh, more faith in your car than your flight, is what uh, you're saying? I, I shouldn't jinx myself. Yes, I do, <laughs> but I shouldn't jinx myself. Maybe I'll get caught doing 140 on the way over there. Who knows? Yeah, try and try and avoid that on the Ben Franklin. Yo, you side. can't go 140 on 42 in Jersey. Yeah, no, that's, that's not go 40. Uh, Johnny Mack will be on the postgame show. Catch your pregame and your postgame show here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow with the result of the game. Hopefully, talking about the Eagles being 2-0. The Vikings will try and come in and uh, keep that from happening. I think it'll be a fun game, a high-scoring game, an exciting game tonight. We'll see if it turns out to be a frustrating game tomorrow when McMullen and McDonald come back on Birds 365 in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.